Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. To be in your house this morning, to be reminded why we celebrate, because He is risen. We're reminded that a year ago we weren't together for Easter morning. There's reason to celebrate, to be together, to be excited about the victory. As we look at your word this morning, as we focus on that moment, those days after that dark Friday, we're excited, Lord, because we realize that you brought Jesus from the dead and back to life. We're excited because our faith rests solely on that idea. And we're reminded that your love led the day. And so as we celebrate this morning, may we remember that. As we sit around the table this morning, May we remember that. As we worship your name this morning, may we remember that. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's scripture is out of uh, Matthew 27, 62 through Matthew 28. And I'm going to trick you. I'm going to verse 10. So if you have your Bible, you can follow along. If not, you can just listen for the last two verses that won't be on the screen, but that's okay. Matthew 27, 62. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, the deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, the disciples may come and steal the body and tell people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. And so they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel of the, said to the woman, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried from the tomb afraid yet full, filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. 
Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, where they will see me. May God add his blessing as we prepare our hearts to sit around the table. Lord God, it's, it's good to be in your house and to be reminded that you are in control. It's quite ridiculous to think that we have life figured out and that uh, would even have a chance to be your words for a few moments. And yet... You are a God of so many chances. And we are thankful. Because not one of us have walked in here with life figured out. Not one of us can say that we haven't made a mistake or that we haven't been on the wrong end of something we've caused. Not one of us can say that we don't need a second chance. And so, Lord, I ask even at this moment that you put us in that spot. That you remind us how good you are to us. That you don't turn your back or turn your head when you don't walk away. You are faithful when we have not been faithful. And so, Lord, as we look at your word this morning... And we watch Moses walk through an interesting spot in his life. I ask, Lord, that you'd help us to recognize the second chances we've had. That we can live victorious no matter what our past looks like. Lord, I pray this morning for anyone who even at this moment is thinking about their past and can't get past it, who's struggling with where they've been, and not sure that you would forgive that, I ask it, Lord, you'd even now begin to clear and wipe away that, that pain and sorrow and that hurt. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. He is seven, right? He's seven. He's eight, so he knows it. Oh, my goodness. How did that happen? Huh. Well, good morning. You, have, you, you know, I'm impressed. It's only 8.06, and you're all here already. That's pretty impressive. You can see my wife's not. You, can, you know what that means, right? <laughs> She's like, I'll go to second service today, kids. <laughs> it's good to see you this morning. It was good to, have, to hear that noise, you know. You walk, sometimes you walk into church, it's really quiet and kind of closed up, and it was good to hear people. Um, maybe the nice sunshine might have helped uh, to get started on that. 
You can remember that we've been, uh, if you don't remember, I'll remind you that we've been uh, working on a series called The Stones of Life, and today we're going to look at uh, a set of stones that we're really pretty familiar with, stones that uh, God wrote on uh, and gave to Moses. And you may remember, I don't know if you remember, but I'll remind you, that God gives Moses a mulligan of sorts. I know it's getting that time of the year for those who golf, uh, you're going to need a lot of mulligans, right? And a mulligan is a do-over. And so God is actually giving Moses a do-over. And we didn't read chapter 32, but if you go back to chapter 32, you'll find out this is the second time Moses has gone up to Mount Sinai with a set of blank tablets. Oh, wait. Brentley, is this one I'm supposed to use it? Oh, and by the way, Moses was the first person to download from the cloud to his tablet. <laughs> Pun intended per Brentley. <laughs> it went over well, Brentley. Good job. <laughs> now that's a guy to work with, right? He gives you good jokes. And... I know. <laughs> But you may remember in, verse, in chapter 32, Moses goes up, God, goes, God meets Moses, he gives him the Ten Commandments, Moses comes back down, and what happens? Stinking people, right? Moses comes back down and there's a party going on. There's a party in chapter 32 going on, a big party. And you may remember that the golden calf just walked right out of the fire as the people said. And God's people are disobeying. And in that process, Moses chucks his rocks and smashes them in a bunch of pieces. So this is the do-over chapter. This is when Moses is going to go back up. Try to talk God into still being on his side in some ways, right? You ever been there? You ever made a mistake where you broke someone's trust? You broke a relationship? You broke a connection? And now you're trying to put the pieces back together. I'm sure you have, because we all have. We have all been in that spot where we need to build what we've broken. And God says to Moses, all right, good. Go, go. And find two more pieces of stone and carve out a tablet, two tablets. And let's try this all over again. Today we're going to talk about second chances. I think for a lot of us, we struggle with that idea. One, I think because we're not good at giving second chances. Right? You broke my trust, and I'm not going to let you break it again. And two, we think, well, God, I screwed this up, and I'm not going to even try. I have had so many people, I've told you a hundred times, so many people say, I don't want to walk in the church, the walls will fall in. And if that, if that's the thought process in there, right? I have messed it up just so many times that God will not give me another chance. 
I'm here to tell you this morning that we serve a God of second chances. A God who loves us in spite of us. And I don't know if you noticed, um, right off the bat, God says, listen, I don't want you bringing anybody else up here with you. Did you catch that? He did that the first time as well, but did you catch it? He's like, listen, I don't want anybody else coming. I'm going to deal with you and you alone. And this is a reference to a, a, a Josh Turner song, if you're a country music fan. I'm not, but I, but I always use this, just me and God, you know, me and God. And in this passage, that's what, that's what God's doing with Moses. He's like, listen, it, it's going to be personal, me and you. See, a lot of times we hang on this idea that if we come to church, if we sit in the right pew, if we go to our grandma who's a believer and following God, if we hang out with the right people, that we can kind of ride the shirt tails of God's blessings. And in some ways it happens, right? In some ways it does happen. We're in a good family and our parents are... Uh, full of faith, and we're, we hang on to that, and we're like, yeah, God's blessing them, and I just automatically... But at the end of the day, it's not... Our Christian faith is not about riding the shirt tails of someone else. It's just about me and God. And probably that's why it's kind of hard for us sometimes to deal with. Because we realize really quickly that I can buffalo people in a group, but when I have to deal with God alone, and it's just me and God, that's a little tougher. And yet our faith says there are no grandchildren of God, right? And we say every person must make their own personal decision about what you're going to do with God. And some of us like that free will. I like that free will. But there's also some responsibility that goes with our free will. That means when I don't read my Bible and my wife does, I don't, get the, I don't get the blessings of her reading the Bible because I didn't. Even though we're in the same house and we might even be within two, you know, reclining chairs away. It's still, it is good, but the reality is, though, that I have to make that, res- that my responsibility. God's like, listen, you need to deal with me on a personal level. See, because I think when we quickly figure out that we are the problem. We are the ones who have broken the promise. We are the ones who, like Moses, have thrown down the tablets. It doesn't work so well in the mindset of society that says if we just do enough good to counter the bad, that things will be all right. If I do 51% of good, then only 49% would be bad, and I'll be okay. That might get me to heaven. When the reality is, is this what what our lives look like, shattered on the ground? Scripture is plain. It tells us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It begins with recognizing our broken promise. God says, I'm going to be here, I love you, and I just want you to obey. And what do we do? I love you, I'll be here, but I'm going my own way. 
And our sin nature at a very early age uh, shows itself, does it not? You don't have to teach little kids to do wrong. You don't have to teach little kids to not share. You don't have to teach little kids that if they have ten toys, they could. you have to teach them that they have to give one to someone else, right? Because otherwise they're going to be like, these are mine and you get nothing. We're good at that. I used to go to a church where the pastor, when he had little kids, he's like, look at that little sinner. She was only like two years old. <laughs> but, and we laughed at it, but it, it's true. We don't have to learn how to do that. We, we come wired with a propensity to sin. So even though God kept his promises, we have not kept our promises. I need to let you know, this is, this is me. I didn't take a picture of me, but I, this is me. I can promise you one thing about me. All right? I promise that at some point in my life, I promise that I will let you down. I promise that even if I try as hard as I can to do the right thing, to always be available, to answer my phone, which I don't, I promise you one thing. I will let you down. That is a guarantee I can give you. I will not live up to the standards that you have put. And guess what? You're not going to do it either because we're human. We are not capable of keeping the promises that we're quick to share with others. I am not capable of keeping the promise. I will let you down. I will disappoint you. I promise I will disappoint you because I'm human and you're human. That is a guarantee. Last night I went to bed at, I had to turn my clocks back, so I had to go to bed by like 7.30, make sure I got some sleep, right? And my granddaughter called, at, like it must have been about 8.30, because they're an hour behind us, so. And I was already out cold. But I opened my phone, this, I picked up my phone this morning, and there's a missed call. Well, my granddaughter only calls She's two now. Mind you, she's not on the phone by herself. But as soon as mom gets it hooked up, she's on the phone. She only calls, she calls me usually in the evening when she wants to talk to Papa. Papa, 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 Papa. And I got to tell you guys, if there's one person I don't want to let down, it's a two-year-old who wants to talk about ambulance and fire trucks and what else was it yesterday? We did talk to her. We already talked to her once yesterday, but before she went to bed, she must have wanted to talk to Papa. And I got to tell you that I was kind of sad when I woke up this morning. I looked at my phone. I'm like, ah, because Hannah doesn't call to talk to me. <laughs> well, at least not video chat, right? But Lumi called before she went to bed because she wanted to share. She had a whole bunch of her stuffed animals, and I know... She was, gonna, she was taking them all to bed. So I guess every time we give her a stuffed animal, she has more. So, so Hannah's like, she's got like five she carries everywhere with her now. And I didn't want to let her down. 
And if I'd have heard the phone, I'd have woke up and I'd have took the call no matter what. Sleep, I'll get some more of that tomorrow. But I let her down. And that's what we do as people. We let God down. We have broken our promises. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We have let him down. You know the good part? God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. The promises he started at the beginning of the world when he gave Adam and Eve a way out. That promise is still good today. In our passage this morning, he says, after all the mess, he's dealing with Moses. He says, you broke the covenant, you broke the tablets, but you know what? I'm going to give you a second chance. And not only am I going to give you a second chance, I'm going to do wonderful things for the people I love. In fact, I'll do miracles that never been done before to any, in any nation in any world. God makes a promise that's over and above. God could have just said, all right, well, I'll, I'll keep the promise I had that you messed up. We'll, we'll keep that, that, uh, that contract and I'll, I'll make sure I get you where you need to go and I'll get you into the promised land. I, 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 you let me down, I'm disturbed by that, but I'll, I'll get you. No, he says, no, I'm gonna make a covenant with you that's even better than it was before. It's like what happens with our kids, right? Or even better, our grandkids. We love, we love to bless them. And I can remember my kids when they would do silly things and they would be so uptight about it. And as a parent, I would get past that and I would be like, I, but I love you. I love you and I'll keep my promise. I promise to continue to love you. I used to tell my kids, you could never do anything bad enough that I wouldn't love you anymore. You might do something that I would be sad about, but I could never not love you. And that's how our God is. He loves us so. In Romans it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He made a promise that he would send his son Jesus. If we look in the Old Testament, you can watch, and I challenge you, I encourage you as you're reading in the Old Testament, to look for, and every book shows it, to look forward in the Old Testament to when Jesus is coming. There's always some uh, some part of that scripture that's alluding forward to this Jesus that's coming, to this Savior. That's why the Jews continued to look. And even to this day, they still look. They didn't realize. They missed it that it was Jesus. But they're still looking for this, the Messiah, the Savior. So when you're reading the Old Testament, look for it. Look for that where it goes. it points forward to Jesus. God, from the very beginning, sent His Son 
so that we might have eternal life. The wages of sin, it's death. We've already messed it up. So what we deserve is death. Eternity away from God. But what we get the opportunity to have is eternal life with God through Jesus, His Son. See, God kept His promise. Now there are other covenants in the world, or in, in, in Scripture. That sh- Any other covenants that come to mind? Uh, contracts uh, that we do today with each other or with... Uh, in a, in a group setting and or uh, in our own lives? Any covenants? That covenant was not a word we use a lot, is it? Marriage, thank you. Did you want? No. <laughs> Marriage, right? Marriage is a covenant we think about. Marriage is an interesting one. I always tell young couples it's not, we're not always in love. But we stay in love, right? The covenant is the promise that says, I might not always love you the way I should. I might get frustrated. I might not always even like you. But the promise is I'm going to work through that and stay together. There are those promises that remind us of God. That's one of them. You know what's the best part of a second chance? It's a gift God gives us. It's a gift. He didn't have to give us a way out. He didn't have to give us a second chance. He didn't have to give Moses another opportunity to go to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. He didn't have to give God's people the opportunity to continue to be loved and cared over and to be protected. He didn't have to do any of that. And yet he does. He gives them a gift, a second chance in life. A second chance to follow. And he gives us a second chance. Remember when I prayed, I I prayed about all of us coming into the same spot. We all need a second chance. Not a one of us came here today that didn't need a second chance in our life. And what I'm saying quite plainly is we have all sinned. We have all sinned and fallen short. And that scripture says it, that what we would deserve is death. But there's hope. You didn't come here to be beat down. You came to be encouraged that there is hope. And if you go to Romans 10, 9, and 10, and if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the hope. Don't be deceived. It's not about works. It's not about what we can do. It's not about how much money we put in the offering or how much time we spend doing God's work. It's not about any of those things. It's not about how many times we smile or 
let someone get, uh, pull out in front of us. It's none of those things. It's this right here. The crux of the matter is this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Sounds so simple, does it not? That means you got to put Jesus first. And believe in your heart. It's got to be real. It's got to be inside. It's not if I do enough good things. It's about putting Him first in our lives. And recognizing that even though it's hard to understand and grasp the idea that someone would die and be in a grave for three days and come back out alive. Because most of us are like doubting Thomas. I didn't, unless I see it, unless I see his hands, I'm going to have a hard time, right? And none of us were there. And so we have to take a step of faith. It sounds like a, a giant leap of faith, does it not? And for some of us, that sounds like too big of a leap. But I will encourage you to ask yourself this question because there are always people out there who are like, well, that's a big leap and it's not based in science and it's not empirical and it's, it's all these things that you can't prove because you weren't there and people are going to make fun of you. It sounds kind of silly until I'm reminded that we put a whole lot of faith in the person on the other end of a counter who we know nothing about every time we go to a pharmacy. We know nothing about that person on the other side. And yet when we take that pill bottle home, it says, take one, we pop the cap, we take it, and we don't even think twice about it, do we? We put a lot of faith in someone on the other end whom we haven't even met. We put a lot of faith in our mechanic when they fix our brakes that they somehow didn't nick a, a brake line and our brakes go out. Or that some silly little red light on the other side of an intersection will make someone stop when we're going through it at 35 or 40 mile an hour. We have faith. In those things. And we struggle to understand having faith in God. You see, God's promises cannot be broken. That's the cool thing about God. He's not willy-nilly like the rest of us. He had his promises and he stays true to those promises. And when we struggle to get a second chance in our own mind, it's usually, oh, not usually it is, it's us. We are the problem. I want to challenge you this morning. This comes from D.L. Moody, theologian, 
So there will be no peace in any soul until it is willing to obey the voice of God. I can promise you one thing this morning. Someone here has is struggling with finding peace in their life. You didn't come to warm the pew. You came looking for peace in your life. And let me tell you that there is peace to be had. It's in a relationship with God. I can't give you enough money. I can't give you enough stuff. I can't say the right words. Only God can give you what you need. If you're struggling with peace this morning, obey the voice that's speaking in your life. I promise you. I've been on the other side. I was a young man, about 14. I was at a, a summer camp, and I, I still remember, not really sure how I got out of the pew and got up to the front, but I was going. Yeah, it felt really awkward and weird, and people looked at me, and I thought, and it changed my life forever. See, there's lots of Jonas in the world. You know that story, right? God says, go this way, and Jonah says, all right, I'm going that way. I love that story, because we've all been there. Not many of us have gotten eaten by a fish, but... cool story reminds me that we've all been pointed in the wrong direction this cross reminds me of the cross that Jesus hung on last week we did communion and we talked about Jesus going to that cross for me and he went to that cross for you. He took it to the cross. He died a vicious death. I don't think we probably could have handled what those who were there that day saw. I'm not talking about someone just closing their eyes and going to sleep. We would have been traumatized. This man was brutally, brutally abused and murdered. For me, for you. Why? So he could give you a second chance. He puts his hand out. Here's the second chance. The opportunity for you to take or not take. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice this morning. We're reminded, Lord, that we are a people of broken promises. We are a people who need second chances. That we are a people, Lord, who have struggled to get it together over and over and over again. And that you are a God who loves us so 
A God who's decided to put love first. To put our place first. And so, Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray this morning for anyone who hasn't made a relationship, who hasn't created space for Jesus in their own life. They may have heard about him, but they didn't ever make a statement that says he is the Lord of my life. And they haven't let him in. I pray, Lord, that no one would leave this morning without that opportunity in their own life. That they would make that decision. In your name we pray. Amen.